I think we were both really looking forward to have a place that we could just decompress and hang out and don't have to drive around. We got the keys, we opened the gate and went into working mode. Colin was straight on work all day. I was trying to work as much as I can, but also looking after the kids. The kids were just excited. There was an all swing set. They were just playing there and Camila was watering the plants and they were running around and they were realizing how harsh of an environment it was because they were getting splinters everywhere. It was fun. It was crazy, but we like craziness. Welcome back to another episode of Rewilding Parenthood, a week-by-week podcast series hosted by me, Colin Boyd, and my partner, Sophie Aldino. Each week, we cover our family's rewilding journey by sharing stories, advice, and wisdom gained in traveling full-time in a converted 1978 Mercedes 508D command and control vehicle across North America. We're so happy to bring you the second episode of our three-part series, Buying an Abandoned Jackrabbit Cabin in Joshua Tree, California. In the last episode, we shared how this decision came to be, why it made sense at the time, and our process going from full-time mobile van lifers to -to soon-to-be desert dwellers within 24 hours of first visiting Joshua Tree. In episode two of this micro-series, we're going to share what the closing process was like, the transition to getting the property, and the reality that quickly set in the moment that we got the keys. We'll dive into the first month or so of the project, actually maybe a few months, and just realizing how much was on our plates. So here we are, second episode. If you got any questions for the last segment, now's the time. Hit us up over at Afuera Vida, and we'll be happy to answer any questions about the project. Self, what's up? What time is it? It's a miracle, I think it's, let me check. It's 5.20 in the afternoon. The only reason why we are recording at this time is because we are back in Portland, Maine, and Colin's mom got the kids. That's right. Yeah, we have secretly snuck our way back across the country, and here we are sitting in our old house, and it's quite the sensation. What do you think, Self? I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, it's been great. We just arrived a few days ago and we are sitting in our kitchen. And yeah, it feels great. Maine is great in the summer. We're really looking forward to spending a couple of months here in Maine and and reconsider what is next for us. Yeah, I thought the spending nine months in the desert would have prepared us for the heat, but Maine is just a different climate. The humidity here is absolutely different than Joshua Tree. So while we were in Joshua Tree in mid-July with temperatures upwards of 112, the heat in Joshua Tree is extreme. But I don't know, since I've been here, it's just so hot and muggy here. It's just it's just a totally different. So I guess we've kind of answered our usual questions, the vibe, the where we are, what we're doing here. Do you want to tell us a little bit like what this last week was like or should we just get right into the show? Yeah, last week was was fun. We did a lot of driving. We left our van behind and we decided to buy a car and drive across the country with a faster vehicle than just the van. So we brought the tent along and we stopped a couple of times saw a couple of friends along the way and we arrived a few days ago so really last week was all about 
traveling across the country, but in a really fast pace. As Colin says, it took us a year and a half to go from Maine to California, and it only took us seven days to come back. So yeah, that was our week. I think I'm all ready to dive into the show. So let's take you back to where we left you off last episode, which the big cliffhanger, the offer, whether it was accepted or not, and... Dun, dun, dun. It was accepted. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, this uh, is how random Colin is. Try to make my Sometimes. cheesy jokes to make Sophie laugh. We won't bore you with the stories of the counter offer and the turmoil of the seller and, and the buyers, nor what it was like spending a month living in the between the Walmart parking lot and the Joshua Tree dried up lake bed trying to get through the escrow process or the Subaru GL 4x4 we found down in California. That was a totally horrible decision of mine to buy that car, driving it away the next day at four o'clock in the morning to Vegas to the world's largest auto show. But, you know, those are just some of the stories of that we could share, maybe another episode. Let's just dive right into that moment when we got the keys, because the anticipation, I think, I know for me, was big. It was really hard to sit around for a few weeks and just wait and find tools and gather the materials that we needed. I remember even going to the plant sale and buying plants the week before we even got the house and found a place to store them. But why don't you take us back to that moment when the the closing process was done. We were driving down that dirt road, bumping along and pulled up to our own house in the desert. So it was pretty exciting. I think we were both really looking forward to have a place that we could just decompress and hang out and don't have to drive around. I think it was a mix of feeling between, yes, we have a place to stay for a few months and we don't have to go anywhere. And then this real feeling that we're like, what? Did we just bought this place in the desert? So we got the keys. It was Friday afternoon, probably around five, six o'clock. We opened the gate and sunset time in the desert is super beautiful so it was this really nice slide nice vibe everyone was really excited we were all kind of walking around just not knowing what to do but wanted to do a million things at a time so I remember I grab a rake and I started raking I grab a some like garden scissors, starting like cutting plants, calling turn the water on, started watering all the plants. The kids were just excited. There was an old swing set. They were just playing there and Camila was watering the plants and they were running around and they were realizing how harsh of an environment it was because they were getting splinters everywhere. It was fun. It was crazy, but we liked craziness. It was exciting. Yeah, I remember also just walking around looking for the best spot to watch the sunset and imagining all the things we could do in this property. So it was a really, really, really cool evening. What do you think? Super surreal for me. Never, ever, ever spent any more time in the desert than what I had to. And here we were just in our own property. So it was very surreal for me. I think I didn't want to think about the impending projects lists that were compiling in my mind. Instead, we just enjoyed ourselves, brought the chairs out, and the burn pit that was sort of in the middle of the property was full. And we decided, hey, let's kick it off with a burn. 
we got a fire going and quickly escalated <laughs> to the point that I seriously considered grabbing the hose and dousing it as the flames reached like 10, 15 feet high. That was compounded by the fact that we were in California in the desert and dry, like surrounded by dry, arid plants. And yeah, we're just realizing really fast that, wow, this is a totally different kind of environment than we're used to. Fortunately, no, we did not start a wildfire in California and we kept it under control. And we do have rules about that now. No more big burns. But it was awesome. For me, it was, I was really, really looking forward to stopping the van and sinking my hands and full person into this project because as much fun as it is driving the van around and seeing new things and seeing people and old friends and meeting new people, there comes a point where you just kind of want to slow down and park it and, and let some of those experiences absorb. Not that we had any time for that because literally starting the next day or if not soon after, we were straight to work. Well, I don't think the next day we went straight to work. I think we went to actually to, there was like a cleanup. If you ever been to Joshua Tree on the desert, I'm sure you've seen how much trash is laying around and it's ridiculous and it's really bad. But people just go there and dump their trash. It's basically no man's land. So somebody organized a cleanup. I can't remember the name right now, sorry. It was great. So basically the next day we woke up, we took the van, we parked it for two or three days at the BLM land and we spent there the next two or three days picking up trash and hanging out with a lot of other people doing the same thing. But after that, we went right into working mode. Yeah, before we get there, though, I did kind of breeze through that on purpose. But it does bring up the point between that, the vacation races half marathon that I got into last minute that went right past our house, the BLM land that's right down the road with the, the cleanup with a few hundred people from all around the desert southwest. And some of the other events that were happening, it's just for being in a place that's so isolated, so deserted, literally in the middle of nowhere, I was really impressed at the level of community and the kind of events that were happening all around us and our ability to just drop in and engage with them and see people from LA, from, you know, people flying in from New York for these things. And, and that was just really cool. And it made us feel our decision to buy this place was really validated because we knew people were coming there to spend time in the desert. And I think for me, that was also really important to feel like we weren't just in literally in the middle of nowhere when you look at it top down on the GPS. So anyways, how do, how do we approach this stuff? So what was the philosophy going into the build? Well, luckily, Colin is a very methodic person and he loves making big lists of stuff to do. And he loves to make plans about how we're going to execute a plan. He gets very excited about that. So I think we went into working mode, kind of how we did it for the van. You know, Colin was straight on, wake up early, work all day. And I was like looking after the kids and just trying to work as much as I can to, but also looking after the kids. So yeah, for any of you that don't know what it's like to look after your children full time, you probably do now after COVID-19, but just want to give self huge praise for keeping the kids safe and entertained and smiles on their faces every day and keeping the vibe positive and happy through those moments of just grinding full on and just having her there to really make sure every 
everybody had their needs met, you know, just keeping smiles on our faces. And that's really, really important. And Sophie's has also put in some serious time and effort on the property and giving me the vision that I needed when I when I was in doubt of what to do. She was super creative and really crafted a lot of the vision for the space. You know, it's just really important to have a strong partnership if you're going to take something like this on with children. Not that our partnership is super strong, but... I think Colin is trying to make up for a fight that we had earlier. So he's trying to talk really well about me. That's totally not true. I When I was writing this, I was just thinking about you going to, for example, when I think the next day when we got back from the cleanup, you just went down to Trader Joe's, which is like two hours away and just bought loads and loads of food. And for the next two weeks, we just ate so well. You just had me so filled up with the best smoothies in the morning and big lunches and great dinners. And it was just like, oh man, so it's so nice when you're working that hard to have somebody think about you like that. This is a kind of a funny story, but it's true. I went to Trader Joe's, that is two hours return. I think I bought like $400 worth of groceries or like $500, something that I never done in my life. I was honestly like so nervous. I was like, oh my God, I just spent $500. But I was like, okay, the idea was to buy supplies that we didn't have to run to the store all the time. And when I walked out from the store, we had like this really old Subaru car that he had a funny sticker in the back that he said, this is not an abundance car <laughs> and the lady that was helping me with the other trolley was like what this is your car I was like yep I think she was expecting a really expensive fancy car because I just did a big show but no we just wanted to blend right in with the uh the desert locals up there we certainly did outside of the bright orange van Anyway, so what do we want to talk about? So yeah, I think I was working all day, all night, getting dirty, doing what needed to be done. Soph was managing the home front. We were also recording this podcast and running our other business. And pretty soon it became clear that our timeline, we gave ourselves three months to do it. That was aggressive and wasn't going to happen, which was fine. Totally fine. We we're just happy to be three there. Three months, I think we gave a week to finish the interior. We're like, yeah, we're going to do this is a week. <laughs> no. I mean, Did it was we? insane. Yeah, I swear. We said oh, like, no, oh, we're, we're going to have it ready by J- January 1st. So I think yeah. it initially it was like a month and a half, which became clear. It was now three months. And then I think in total it was about four and a half, which is pretty damn good. But anyways, the major projects on the property, it was just at first the general cleanup. So this place was totally abandoned for like 10 years. I mean, somebody came in and out, but it was abandoned. And so there was one of the first things was there's this rat infested trailer on the property that had to go. Then there was all the trash, the piles of wood that the coyotes were living under, all the trash from around the property. Then it was the exterior repairing, priming and painting. That alone, just the porch itself, painting the porch took a lifetime. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Then I think it was Sophie's idea to move to the landscaping, which was smart. I was going to put the landscaping off until the end, but Sophie was like, no, 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 let's stop the house and let's do the landscaping because we're here now. And once we get this set, then we can really take care of the plants the way that we want. And if we're going to be moving things or reshaping things, perhaps we should do it now. So that was really smart. The rains actually came during that time. 
I remember one night, I think it started raining at like eight o'clock and I just ripped off my shirt. And I think I was out there till midnight with my shovel, just shoveling berms around the property to create walkways and garden beds and raised terraces. It really defined the space. It was like I ate some mushrooms or like had an ayahuasca trip and grabbed a shovel and went to town on the property. And I woke up the next morning and I'm like, so self, what do you think? Yeah, I was like, I don't think so. No, it was really nice. He did a great job, but I was like, I'm going to bed and I could just hear him just shoveling and just like nonstop. And, you know, I think, you know, our first rain was like, oh my God, it's raining. This is not going to happen again for like six months. And it wasn't true. Like it was a pretty wet winter out there. It snowed a few times. So yeah, I think the water is good. The desert is actually not as dry as I thought. For sure. And the whole point of those beams was to catch water. And when it really started raining later that year, the berms actually functioned so well to catch the water. They started overflowing in certain garden beds. It was pretty impressive. So the the landscaping, that is an ongoing project. We, you know, we got it to a point where we were happy with it. And then we went back to the interior renovation. Then we wanted to build a shower house that would be totally separate from the actual house and a bathroom. We didn't know if we should put those together or do them apart. Um, we also, Sophie had this idea of doing a palapa with string lights and a fire pit and maybe like an Argentine asado cooking grill out there. Yeah, I, w- I think I wanted more the pixel oven than the asado. And I think that maybe hopefully will happen next winter, maybe if we're lucky. If not, maybe the following year. We'll definitely do that. And um, yeah, I think the last project that I was nervous about and took me a lot of confidence to get up to do myself was the electrical system. So there was no power to the property and we knew that we'd have to design an off-grid system to power the place. So those were really the jobs. And I think we're just going to dive in to a couple funny stories about some of those moments of doing them. Do you want to take us through the, the trailer experience stuff? The one that had like a million rats inside? Oh, yeah. Sure. We had this old trailer next to the house that it was really tricky to move in because of where it was positioned. So first up, our first job was really getting rid of this trailer. It was full of rats. It was an eyesore and we just wanted it off the property. So we took photos of it. I really wanted to list it for a few hundred bucks, but Sophie was like, put it up for free, get it out of here. So I agreed, put it up for free. We had like 15 offers. I'll be there tomorrow. Oh my God, this is free. Are you kidding me? I mean, this thing was barely standing and the walls were warped and the floor was warped. I couldn't believe anybody would want this thing. And so a couple of lads came, they tried to take it. I basically had to stop them because because they had no idea what they were doing. And I didn't want them to knock the thing off its legs. And that afternoon, this pro came in, long, low trailer, backed it right in perfectly. He got, he brought his tools, drops it on there. And I'm like helping the guy. And I'm like secretly filming him like, oh my God, he's taking this rat infested trailer. Dude, thank you so much. And he was happy. I was happy. He was out of there within an hour. And uh, I don't know if it was a day or or 48 hours later, what happened? Well, the thing is, I I asked him what he was going to do with it. And he was like, oh, my girlfriend and I were so excited about this trailer. We're going to work on it together. And we felt really good about it because actually a homeless person emailed us about it. And we really wanted to give it to him so he could have a home. But he didn't know how to come and get it. Anyway, long short story, 
we were like, whoever comes first can have it. And then 24 hours later, we were hitting Facebook Marketplace pretty hard, just looking for tools and different things. And I saw the trailer for sale for like 1800 How much was? $1,800. $1, and I was like, what? I didn't want to tell Colin because Colin was going to get so mad. And Colin actually saw it and he didn't want to tell me. I finally couldn't resist and I told Colin. I mean, we'll definitely put a photo of the trailer. I don't know if we have it or not. Or we'll put a video of the guy taking But the trailer was falling apart. Anyway, that's what happens. And I think he kept putting the price down. I mean, I would have felt bad if somebody paid 1800 for that thing. Anyway, so that's the trailer story. I think there were a few other things that happened or stories that you wanted to talk about. The destroying the owl house, that was oh. also another... Yeah, just full-blown rat house. Yeah, I think the, the most fun part was really just ripping everything out of there that was just old and didn't need to be there. So the outhouse just got totally smashed up. It was full of rats. It was insane. And then I think something that happened that was pretty cool was I was at the farmer's market with Alfonso we got to a point that we were like, we need help. We're never going to get where we want to. We don't want to spend here a year. We need help. So I was at the farmer's market and all of a sudden I started walking towards the car and then this guy passed me and I was like, you need to talk to this guy. So I was like, hey, excuse me, do you live here? Yes, I do. Well, I'm from, I think he was from Rhode Island. I'm like, oh, we come from Maine. Do you know anyone that does like labor work here? And he's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. He helped me. Anyway, so we started talking. We Alfonso actually pulled his special rock out of the pocket and I pulled my special rock out of the pocket. I don't know how we started talking about birthdays and we ended up having the same birthday day. It was kind of, you know, it was meant to be. And then he recommended these guys that he happened to live like around the corner from us and he actually went to school in Maine or I don't know, he grew up in Maine. Do you remember Troy? Anyway, so Troy is a super nice guy and he he helped us a lot. It was really, really good. He helped framing the outhouse and helped with the palapa. It was so helpful. So yeah, that's kind of it for what we wanted to share with you guys. I mean, we have so many stories. We actually had a few visitors while we were in the process of building all this. So we really want to thank a few of our friends that made this project come to life. Nolan, Nolan, thank you for coming out. He spent a few days with us, really helped us refinish a couple of beautiful antique tables. One of them is the, the main dining room table that's under the palapa. It was an old timer's workbench from the 60s, I think. So it's like 70 years old and Nolan, who's a surfboard shaper, wooden surfboard shaper, helped fix that up and make sure it would sustain another few years in the desert and uh, just helped me Oh, also grind the concrete floors. That was pretty gnarly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talking about funny stories. Oh, my God. We'll leave that for maybe the next episode or for uh, episode story. itself. I don't even know what the funny story is. I'm curious. Well, it wasn't funny. It was ridiculous to watch you grind the floors the way you did it. Oh, we should put that video on, actually. Oh, my God. When I first got the... <laughs> First got my hands on the uh, stand-up floor grinder. We'll definitely post that video. We did actually film this whole thing, and so one day we will make a video out of it, and you'll see it for real, but it was it was insane. So, Nolan, thanks for showing up and helping with that. Courtney and Owen, you guys arrived right around Christmas. Loved having you. Owen definitely helped me finish out the outhouse to get it ready for our next guests that were coming. 
Diego Maria, you got, oh, actually, maybe it was the other way around. Diego Maria were there at Christmas. So, Diego, thank you so much for helping me put the roof on the Palapa, put all the boards across, and then we put the roofing. And then we had our first meal. Basically, when we put the last staple in, the girls were just bringing the food out to the table for our Christmas Eve dinner, which was super nice. And our first fire at the fire pit, and that was really special. And then my sister, Heather, and husband Mike came out, and those guys just relieved us of maybe like a year's worth of full-time child mending well gave us a little bit of a break so we could peel off the uh, intensity of the project just wanted to remind you at this point we still didn't have a shower we had no power there was no running water inside the house the bathroom was done i think by the time our last guests were there but it was rugged and the kitchen was not done it was framed but it was it was not i don't done. know if i put this photo up but i think what we did at some point is we we have a really beautiful wood stove inside the house. So I will turn that on and we'll get so hot inside the house. And then I'll just fill up these bla uh, black buckets, like the ones that you can find at Home Depot. You know, the ones that have yellow, the tabs that have the yellow lid. Well, I fill them up with hot water, which I had to heat up on the stove because we don't have running hot water at the cabin. And then the kids will be able to have a bath in there. And then we'll jump into the tub also to rinse off. Oh, my God. Anyway. It was insane. It was like, we can laugh about it now. And, and we were laughing then. But if we thought the build out of the van and altering our lives to make that happen and everything we had to do the year before, plus a year on the road and all the cha challenges that came there, it was all just like a prep for living in the desert with no power, water coming out of a hose, which was a blessing, our composting toilet and no shower. I mean, it was the true rewilding experience that we're proposing and we're sharing. This was it, the back to the land movement. But it was amazing. It was really, really amazing to be there in the moment and to feel that bond as a family and see what we could conquer after being together for a year on the road. I don't think we could have just moved from South Portland, Maine to Joshua Tree and done that. We really had to go through this experience on the road to be able to tolerate the kind of suffering that we were going through on the desert. Right. So do you want to share the moment we find out we had bought into a jackrabbit cabin and what that meant for us? So I know, thank you guys for sticking with us here. We're trying to keep these episodes to under 30 minutes and we're probably going over here. But yeah, I think Sophie was just getting ready to go to Argentina with the kids and leave me to really finish some things off. And at that point, I think we started looking into permitting a little bit more. It became clear to me quite quickly that we had bought something called a recreational cabin in California, which is basically an unpermitted, kind of not illegal, but like not really legal structure. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I immediately went into like panic over anxiety mode about what this meant and started doing my research and realized like, oh my God, there is a legal enforcement from the San Bernardino County that says that anybody owning a recreational cabin can only occupy it for four days a month and only the owner can. There's no rental allowed. So the whole idea was to turn this thing into an Airbnb at first initially to pay for itself. And that didn't seem like it was possible. Then we couldn't even stay there. It was seemingly illegal that we could even be there. And in doing more research, we couldn't even live in our own van on our property. That was also illegal in San Bernardino County. So all of a sudden, this 
house that we were so excited about and now fully invested in became this true, what seemed like a liability. And I just wanted to sell the thing right then because I think I was probably up to my eyeballs and in it at that point. I just wanted to be done. And I also really didn't want to be stuck with it. And then on top of that, the city was proposing to regulate the Airbnbs in the town. And the Airbnbs that were getting regulated were going to need to be inspected. And if they were going to need to be inspected, then of course, if you had a jackrabbit cabin, it was not inspectable because it wasn't legally allowed to be rented out to anybody else. So I just went into full-blown panic and I wanted out. And that is where we're going to leave you today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Rewilding Parenthood. This was part two of our three, maybe four part series, depending on how much time we take, about buying an abandoned jackrabbit cabin in Joshua Tree, California. Hit us up over at Afuera Vida on Instagram. We had a couple of messages this week, so thank you guys for keeping us going. We don't have any advertisements here, so if you feel like you want to give back some way, somehow, to help us keep this thing going we'd love for you to just leave a review on apple podcasts or wherever you podcast a review a rating i think apple's really the only one that you could do that you can also share it with your friends or your community however you do that or you feel comfortable we'll be back next week with the next installment of the joshua tree story thank you to thomas tyrell for the music and mercedes riva for the editing so thanks so much stay tuned adios